Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast as we now enter the true start of the NFL offseason, which often can be as busy, if not busier, than the regular season with the start of franchise and transition tags being given out on Tuesday, February 20th, lasting all the way to and through the Indianapolis Combine in late February and early March into the start of the new league year in mid-March and free agency. And we will be in this spot every single week with the latest insights, interviews, and information about the comings and goings of the NFL offseason and everything that is about to unfold. And it is always a lot. People say, what do you do in the offseason? And I'm like, what offseason? The offseason is like June and the start of July. This time is crazy and we are about to head into the heart of it. And we will be joined today by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back, Rashad White, who just finished his second season with 990 rushing yards, 549 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns as Tampa Bay won its division, won a playoff game, and nearly advanced even further. A great year for the Buccaneers and Rashad White, will be by in this spot to help review it and look ahead to what is in the future. And, of course, we will be joined by the co-host of the Fantasy Focus podcast, my friend Daniel Dopp, for this week's Six Pack. Thank you very much, Adam Schefter. Topic number one for this week's Six Pack. I mean, you've already basically led into it. Tuesday is the first day for teams to use the franchise or transition tags. The big first domino of the offseason. Where are we at with that? Who's getting tagged? Who's not getting tagged? Well, Daniel, it's a great list, right? When we look at this list, and there are a few names that just stand out to me, right? Jacksonville can't let its linebacker, Josh Allen, walk. So the Jaguars may try to get a deal done with him, but certainly not going to let him get to free agency. I can't imagine that Carolina which turned down two first-round draft picks from the Los Angeles Rams for Brian Burns. We'll just let him get the free agency. Not going to happen. Either they're going to tag him, they'll look to re-sign him, which they failed to do before the start of the season. The two sides were a few million dollars apart, and they didn't get a deal done. Now they could look to trade him, or they could look to sign him, but they're not just going to let him walk. That's not happening. Can't imagine that the Bengals let their wide receiver T. Higgins walks, so T. Higgins becomes a tag candidate, and we'll see if the Bengals can fit him in. But I had somebody in Cincinnati tell me that they were planning to keep him. They would figure out a way to keep him, and now we'll see if there's a way that they can actually get that done. Remember before the trade deadline, the Bears entertained offers for their great young cornerback, Jalen Johnson, but no deal was done. And they have the cap space to get a deal done next. You're not going to let Jalen Johnson just leave. See, here's the thing about these tags. These teams are not letting great young talents just walk out the door. Not going to happen. Jalen Johnson's included. Justin Matabike, who was a guest on this podcast earlier this offseason. No chance Baltimore lets him go. No chance. He's getting all kinds of pressure up the middle. Great. And my guess would be that Baltimore re-signs him. Now, we're taping this Tuesday morning, February 20th. I'll bet a deal gets done before they have to tag him. At some point here in the next couple of weeks, we'll see if that gets done. Uh, Indianapolis, Michael Pittman, interesting decision Mm -hmm. there with him, much like the T. Higgins situation. And the team that we'll get to later in the six-pack that I think has got a whole host of issues, 
is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we'll get back to that in a few minutes, Daniel. All right. I love that little teaser, Adam. All right. Topic number two for the six pack. Let's talk a little bit about what the Chiefs did in their Super Bowl run, closing out the 2023 season. I just want to ask you, what do you think was the most impressive part of what the Chiefs did in that Super Bowl run? Do you realize what was fascinating to me when you look at it is that the Chiefs never led in the Super Bowl until the end of the game. Really? That was the first time that they ran an offensive play with a lead in the game on the last play of the game. There have only been two other teams in Super Bowl history that have not led, that have not run an offensive play with the lead until the end. Well, they never ran an offensive play with the lead because the game ended. The game ended. So they didn't run a single play with the lead. The only other teams to do that were the Patriots in that Super Bowl against the Falcons when they overcame the 28-3 deficit. And the Colts in Super Bowl five versus the Dallas Cowboys. So the Chiefs never ran an offensive play with the lead in that game and still managed to emerge as the Super Bowl champions. They overcame that. And when the 49ers look back on it, right, I think the one thing that is going to stick with them through the years. Remember we talked in this spot about how the last time the 49ers and Chiefs played And the 49ers, the Friday before that Super Bowl, practice against the Wasp play. They practiced 30, 45 minutes. And then the Chiefs ran the Wasp play to Tyree Kill for a big first down on like third and 15 and still got it. And it was the key play that led to that victory. And in the postgame locker room, Robert Sala, Robert Sala, defensive coordinator at the time for the 49ers, was said to be like a zombie walking around because he couldn't believe that they practiced against this play and still didn't execute it. Well, we have a new entry into this year's Super Bowl. The offensive line, the 49ers offensive line, had a replacement, Spencer Burford, that had come in next to right tackle Colton McKivitz. And as the 49ers were driving in overtime, Spencer Burford went the wrong way and allowed Chris Jones to come in and get pressure on Brock Purdy. And if you look on that play, Jawan Jennings is open for a touchdown. And the primary receiver on the play, Brandon Ayuk, his defender slipped and fell. Brandon Ayuk walks into the end zone as the primary receiver with a touchdown that changes the feel and dynamics of that overtime session. But Spencer Burford, not to blame him, but he went the wrong way on the block for whatever reason. It allowed Chris Jones to come right through the line, pressure Brock Purdy to throw the ball away faster than it ever had to, and that's the way it'll be. Like They set up for a field goal. Chiefs come down, score the touchdown, Super Bowl over, and again, don't run a play without the lead. So a few things there that are amazing. The 49ers led the whole game. They had the game. Spencer Burford followed the wrong assignment. And they didn't have the time to throw what would have been a touchdown in overtime that would have set them up potentially for a win or certainly given them a better chance to pull out that game. Yeah, that is brutal, Adam. Unfortunately, when you look back at that, and I know the 49ers are going to do this, they look back at that saying, we had the lead the entire game. What can we point to that led to us not being able to come home with a W? All right, topic number three, and let's stay on this a little bit. San Francisco on that topic. 
has let go of Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator. Yeah. What happened there? And where are we at with that entire thing? You know, I think the first hint came in the middle of the season when they took Steve Wilkes from the booth down to the field. And for whatever reason, Steve Wilkes is a great man and he's a great coach. But I think the 49ers have had great success with promoting people within their system. Right? It worked on offense. Uh, Bobby Slowick moved up the ranks. Uh, Brian Greasy has moved up the ranks. Um, I'm just trying to think of other offensive coaches. They've always had success there on defense. Promoted Robert Sala. He worked out. Promoted D'Amico Ryans. He worked out. And I know that last year when they were hiring, they felt like the right thing to do was, okay, let's stay in-house. But then in the end, Steve Wilkes is so impressive that they're like, you know what, let's bring him in. But it just... It never seemed to fit. Like, you could look at whatever numbers you want. That defense, I'm sorry, just didn't look exactly the same as it had in other years. And if you look at the defense in the postseason to Daniel, the numbers, they just were a little off, right? So in the regular season, the Niners allowed 89.7 yards per game. Rush yards, rush yards. In the playoffs, 149.3. Yep. Yards allowed per rush. A yards allowed rushing, 4.1 in the regular season, 5.1 in the playoffs. And rushing first downs per game, 5.7 in the regular season, 9 per game in the playoffs. So the numbers were down across the board, rushing defense-wise, in the postseason. Defense didn't look the same, and they just felt like, you know what, the hard decision is to move on, and they did that. And it wasn't because of the Super Bowl. Like, that's, I think, the misnomer that people think, oh, they lost the Super Bowl. Let's make Steve Wilkes the scapegoat. No, it they, they felt like it just wasn't a fit. The numbers were down across the board. That's the easy, convenient thing. Like, let's scapegoat Steve. I don't believe that's what it was. I believe it was different. So now they have to come up with a defensive coordinator. It's Tuesday, February 20th when we tape this. And to me, the guy that you look at on staff right now uh, would be the former safety who once played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Nick Sorensen. He's oh. on the staff right now. Young guy, right? Um, has had something of a history with the 49ers. Right now, they call him the defensive passing game specialist, uh, nickelback coach, born in 1978. So that would make him, what, 44 years old. He basically played as a safety in the NFL in St. Louis and Jacksonville and Cleveland, and has been a pro coach in Seattle with the Jaguars and with the 49ers since 2022. He's a guy that they've groomed. So we'll see whether or not they turn to him, but he's a guy that makes a lot of sense to me. I know that they've talked to Brandon Staley. He's a guy also, but I, I could see Brandon Staley coming in in an advisory consultant type role. I could see Nick Sorensen being the defensive coordinator and we'll see where they wind up going with that. A lot of people have brought up Bill Belichick. Uh, allow me to break it right now. Bill Belichick is That's not, not going to be the defensive coordinator <laughs> of the San Francisco Four. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could think about it. You could wonder about it, but it's it's not going to happen. Bill Belichick is not going to be the next defensive coordinator of the 49ers, Daniel. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair, Adam. All right, topic number four. Let's talk on the other side of that. Kansas City Chiefs and their coaching staff. We had heard some rumors yeah. that, hey, maybe Andy Reid wins this one and he decides he's going to be done. Kind of feels like he wants to go for the three-peat, but just when you look at the entire Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff, any changes that are taking place there for that team going into 2024? You know what's really interesting here? 
I, I think this went underreported and not as highlighted as, as it should have been. But their special teams coordinator, their assistant head coach, Dave Tobe, he was in the last year of his contract. Their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, he was in the last year of his contract. And very quietly, as soon as the season ends, the Chiefs get done three-year extensions with Dave Tobe and Steve Spagnuolo. Now, let's just let our minds wander a little bit. Let's say that the 49ers would have won. What would have happened? Would they have been so quick to extend Dave Tobe and Steve Spagnuolo, two great coaches? I would hope and think yes, but we'll never know. But they win the Super Bowl, and it makes it easy, and they nearly double Steve Spagnuolo's salary. And they give Dave Tobe a huge boost as well. And those guys deserve every penny that they should get. The Chiefs have not paid their coaches to that level in the past, but now they have, and they've established that continuity, and they're keeping Dave Tobe, and they're keeping Steve Spagnuolo, who's now won four Super Bowls as a coordinator and can make the argument that he one day belongs in Canton, Ohio, with the performances that he's turned in there. But the Chiefs have done the right thing and they've extended both coaches by three years. Three-year extensions for Dave Tobe, Steve Spagnuolo, and the dynasty goes on. Hey, love that. Especially if you are a Chiefs fan, you want to keep that coaching staff and that entire regime together as long as you possibly can. Topic number five of this six-pack, though, Adam, let's talk about the other coaching trends. We just talked about San Francisco and Kansas City. We've seen a bunch of new head coaches. You just mentioned Bill yeah. Belichick. How oh, he doesn't have a place to be right now. What other coaching trends have we noticed take place this year? Here's the biggest one that I keep stumbling on and coming across. College coaches want to leave the NCAA and want to go to the NFL. And it starts with Jim Harbaugh. And I know he won the national championship and he wanted to get back to the NFL. But the fact of the matter is, I think with everything going on in the college game, that it became more appealing to get back to the NFL than ever before. And we just go around and look. Over the weekend, the Buccaneers hired a couple of coaches from college to join their staff, including the Georgia wide receivers coach, Brian McClendon, who becomes the wide receivers coach in Tampa. The Rams yesterday hire the offensive coordinator uh, at Iowa State to become their pass game coordinator. And I don't even know that I could pronounce his last name. Nate Shielhaas. I think that may be it. I may not be exactly correct. I'm not up on my offensive coordinator at Iowa State. But the fact of the matter is, here's the deal. College coaches, they're they're sick and tired of dealing with what's going on at the NCAA level. They, they don't want to have to deal with the NIL money, the transfer portal, all the changes, all the money, all the recruiting, all the everything that goes into it. Yeah. Whereas if you're coaching at the NFL level, you're going to camp in late July, you're coaching till the season ends in January, maybe February, if you're coaching Kansas City or San Francisco. And then all you have to do is study to get ready for free agency in the draft. And then you're yep. done again. Some off-season program. It's become a much more sane, stable, functional lifestyle. I'm telling you right now, we're not done with college coaches leaving. They want to get out. By the way, Chip Kelly wanted to leave. He wanted to get out of UCLA to go to the NFL, and he wound up becoming the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Uh, Bill O'Brien uh, would have been happy to stay at the NFL until he got the dream job, of course, at Boston College. But 
these college coaches, by and large, if I can make an overwhelming generalization, Daniel, they want out. They want to come to the NFL right now. That is interesting, Adam. And hey, listen, I'm all for better coaches in the NFL. Let's keep adding to this regime. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun being able to see new people come into the NFL. All right, topic number six. Free agency is right around the corner, Adam Schefter. The most interesting team in free agency. I look at the commanders. They got $73 million in cap space and the number two overall pick. There's a bunch of teams to look at. But who's the most interesting team to you in free agency this year? Who was the first team we talked about? Who's the guest we have on today? Rashad White from the Rashad Buccaneers. Yep. The Buccaneers, you could make the argument, have three candidates for the franchise tag. Now, let me go through the list of them. Mike Evans would be one, except the issue is because of the way that his contract was structured last year, his franchise tag number would be seven plus million dollars higher than the regular wide receiver. His franchise tag would be 28.4. They're not going to tag Mike Evans. No tag for Mike Evans. Allow this to be the place where you heard that first. Not going to be tagged. We'll see whether they get a long-term deal. The next candidate for a tag would be their safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. Ordinarily, he would be the likely tag candidate and still might be the guy that gets the tag, except they still have Baker Mayfield unsigned. And as of this taping on Tuesday, February 20th, the two sides did not seem to be, to me, to be close to a deal. Now, if they can't get a deal done for Baker Mayfield and the tag is $36 million, do you go ahead and tag Baker Mayfield to prevent him from leaving? Or do you tag Antoine Winfield or try to get a deal done with Winfield Jr. and then hope to tag Mayfield? Like These are some of the questions that the Buccaneers have to answer. They also have a whole host of other free agents like Levante David and Devin White, who I don't expect to be back in Tampa. They've got the one tag. They've got some notable free agents. They've got a whole host of interesting questions for a team that won the NFC South last year and would like to try to win that division again this year. But it starts, of course, with the quarterback, and the two sides don't appear to be close to that deal right now. We'll see if they could bridge their differences in the weeks to come. And by the way, I meant to say this. like I saw a headline on Monday on President Buccaneers, Mike Evans, not close to a deal. Who cares? It's February. Like, they got time to figure this out. Here's another headline. Bucks and Mayfield not close to a deal. Again, who cares? Let's see what happens as we get to the combine in Indianapolis, as we get closer to the end of the franchise tag window, as we get into free agency. Like, it's a fluid, moving target, the offseason. And here we are getting ready for the start of it. And so we thought it would be nice to hear from one of the Buccaneers himself, a man who last year was outstanding, a man who produced and helped them win the division, a man who had almost a thousand rushing yards and scored nine touchdowns, their running back, Rashad White. How are we doing there, Rashad? What's going on? How you doing, boss? How's everything going with you? Uh can't complain. Just relaxing. How are we spending the start of the offseason so far? Um, um, I, I was chilling. I took like a trip with my guy Chase. Uh, Chase Edmonds over. We went to St. Lucia for for like four or five days. Ooh. Came back a couple days and then went to Vegas for a little bit and then had got back home Sunday night. So I was just cool. So you just, went you went you went to Vegas for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I went to Vegas for a couple of days. And how was that for you? Uh, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, it was hectic though. It's a lot of it was a lot of people down there. Traffic was uh, yeah, it was insane for sure. But that's what Super Bowl is, and it's even more concentrated in a place like Las Vegas. And next year, 
it's going to be in New Orleans. So it'll mm. be something similar to where everybody converges in one central area and it gets a little bit crazy, Rashad. Yeah, dude. I don't, I try, I'm trying to play in there next year. So I ain't really, even, I ain't trying to go for no media. <laughs> so we want to be in there next year, right? Yeah, for sure. What That's, would that mean to you to be in the Super Bowl next year? Huh? What would that mean to you? Uh, for me, it would mean everything. Uh, everything. Just huge. I mean, obviously, just getting the playoffs and winning the game, um, just going to Detroit and having a chance to win a second game, you know, coming so close. So, in the divisional round, it just means a lot, you know. It just, you know, and our team, what we, what, what we did this year uh, and what we shown, especially all our young guys, it's, it was huge. So, it would mean everything to me. Besides, Let me say this. Yes. Wait, wait. When you get done with the season and you go to St. Lucia, you go to Las Vegas and you decompress, with all the touches that you had this year, you had 990 rushing yards, 549 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Does your body need to recover at all? Do you need a period of time here where you just got to rest up to give your body a break after all that it has been through the past season? Um. For me, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, but I'm just different though. So like, I still come in. Um, I I've been getting a little pump in, nothing crazy, uh, not heavy weight, but I got to do something, some movement, keep my body, keep my blood flowing right. But um, I just make sure I keep getting treatment, keep doing things, and you know, stretching, yoga, certain little things, certain little classes, Pilates, things like that to, you know, just keep me flowing and keep me, you know, staying above above float. When you say different, do you mean that you just don't wear down? You last longer? What is different? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say nothing like that because uh, I am blessed for sure. Uh, that's all up to God at the end of the day. And some of that is luck, obviously. But, yeah, man, I've just been fortunate. I mean, you know, uh, where's some wood at around here real quick. But I've just been fortunate in my football career to not really um, miss too many games or miss games like that is is rare for me. So um, it just goes to show, show like you know my team and, and the people I got around me, my camp, my circle, and and what they have done for me my whole life. Rashad, you talked about that playoff game at Ford Field in the divisional playoff round. What was the atmosphere like there that day? Uh, it was awesome, man. They was uh they was really yeah they was on one for sure. Uh, you know they wasn't having it. They wasn't having it. They wasn't playing nothing. But I like that. Like me, I like going. I I like. I mean, a lot of guys say this. I think I believe. I like playing away. Uh, I like. I just like being a villain. You know. Uh, I'm a huge like Joker fan. Things like that. So I like. I love being like the villain. So just to go up there and just hear them all game. And I mean, I think it's some dude on the sideline. He his voice going out, but he's still like Richard. He calling me Richard White and all game like my coach, we all laughing like yo he like Richard Richard White yeah next time we see y'all cut your dreads off I'm gonna cut your dread he just like talking just saying random stuff but I was just like yeah like I was just laughing it's cool I like it though it's funny and how much do you think about that game going the other way and how close it could have been to going the other way in your favor how much do you think about that game now Rashad uh I think about it a lot um obviously it's like you know the last memory I got of the season um and you know it was a sickening feeling um because um we I know and, and me personally I felt like it should have went the other way or it could have went the other way but you know um I'm always the guy that's gonna give credit where credit is due and um you know they end up making more plays than we did um you know unfortunately so we got on the other side of the end um the losing side but yeah it just you know goes to show and you know it just opened up a lot of like I said our young guys eyes whether it could be whatever they were whether it was year one or year two now going into year three year one going into year two of what we could be capable of 
What surprised you and what did you learn about Baker Mayfield during your first season playing with him? Uh, for me, the biggest thing was, I mean, honestly, I don't really know. I don't really have no surprises. I mean, I think he came in. I mean, he came in with swag. Um, he just kind of came in um, doing his thing. And, um, you know, he embraced it. He embraced us. Um, we embraced, embraced him. And uh, it was just great, man. It was just great to see. Um, obviously, I, what surprised me was him just kind of being mobile, like a lot mobile and like obviously trying to run through dudes instead of sliding and things like that. That, that was like surprising <laughs> when I was out there on the field. But other than that, you know, I, I mean, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew what, you know, what kind of competitor, what kind of guy I heard he was. So you ever go to him and say, Baker, leave the running through the guys to me and you go around them and step out of bounds so that we could keep you as our quarterback. You ever have to say anything like that to him, Rashad? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not like that, but yeah, I would say like, you know, you don't have to pull that one. Like you could have gave that one. You could have gave that one. But, you know, we would talk stuff to each other. Uh, tell him, yeah, you, but you got it, man. You want some wear and tear in your body, it seemed like. So take some of it off of me then, man. I appreciate it. <clears throat> this past year, Dave Canales was your offensive coordinator. He leaves the Buccaneers to go to become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers in your division. What are the Buccaneers losing and what are the Panthers gaining? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, for sure. Congrats to Coach, you know, Dave, man. Coach Canales, man. It's huge for him. Um, you know, uh, I know his journey, um, things like that. I'm very familiar uh, familiar with him, like his journey and what he's been through and all the steps he took because I was a Duke during college California guy and things like that. So I played in like around the same conference and during college that that yeah. He, the school he coached me and stuff like that, but man, I'm just I'm just happy for him. Uh, I just think they're getting a great a great human being, a great coach, as in the aspect of just earnest understanding and, and learning his players. Um, I think they're getting a man that's all in. Um, he's all in and committed to the process, and you just see it all the time. I mean, people see it on in, on the game and how he is on the sideline, or just how he is standing, how he just locked in, and uh, you're just getting a guy that really cares, cares about football, cares about family, <clears throat> and he cares about his players. So. I say that's the huge thing. Speaking of coaches, you played two years at Arizona State with Antonio Pierce. What do yeah. you remember about Antonio Pierce and what kind of job he's going to do for the Raiders there as the full-time head coach now? Uh, I just remember, I, I think I seen a clip of like Max Crosby was talking about it and how he was saying like he just straight to the point. I um, mean, he cut and he, he like, you know, very kind of cutthroat um, and, you know, he going to let you know the real. And that's, that's the biggest thing that gravitated towards me toward when uh, it was coming to recruitment. And um, Antonio and Coach Hearn was um, uh, recruiting me, things like that. I just love how he was straight to the point. He kept it honest. Um, also, we got ties because he played junior college at Mount Sac, too. So that's where I went to junior college. So we had ties there. But uh, that was that was awesome. I, I think the Raiders going to have a, a true competitor. At, um, and they know that. Uh, obviously, that's why they was fighting for him. But a uh, true competitor at head coaching, a guy that's going to give them the real, um, let them know what, what needs to be better, what they need to work on as players, and and just let them know um, the truth and, and the passion. You know, you can't – you don't see that a lot in, in this day and age, the passion coming in, the fire coming from the head coach. So it's good to see that they get that. Quite a journey you've been on from junior college to Arizona State to Tampa. You ever stop and take a moment to think – how far you've come and how far you still have to go, Rashad? Uh, honestly, I don't. I, I don't stop at all. I just, uh, for me, just be in the moment, man. I, I just, I'm a guy that appreciate everything. Um, I'm truly grateful for everything I've been through. So, uh, of course, it's just always on me. It's always just in my veins of, of I never forget yet yeah, where I came from or how how much work it took to get here. But right now, I'm just, 
um, until, until I hang my cleats up. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just locked in in the moment. And then, of course, obviously, you always look forward to to things that you know you need to do in order to get to where you're trying to go. And that's mm -hmm. just for me um, and what I'm trying to do and the legacy I'm trying to leave. And that's just what I'm big on. Um, I'm big on leaving legacies and impact, impact on others, uh, regardless if I'm playing with them, regardless if it's kids looking up to me. Uh, regardless of what's going on. I mean, my daughters, I mean, you know, my family, you know, I'm just big on like inspiring and just showing people, um, you know, that you can do anything you put your mind to. How many daughters do you have right now? Uh, I have one, but I have, one. Another, I have another one on the way. When's the other one due? Uh, like May, the beginning of May. So you're going to be a two times girl dad? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm done. Two times girl dad. <laughs> I, I you're out. done. Why do you say that? Hung my cleats up in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Why do you say that? Uh, just, you know, fine. I, I'm blessed, too, and I'm fine. That's good. That's all, you know, that's all I got. We're not going to go for a son at some point in time, Rashad? Man, you know, I thought about it. I don't know where my, my life my life takes me. It's crazy, like you said, to say, like, I'm done right now. But maybe, like you said, that's just right now, in the moment. I'm just done, um, you know, right now. And we don't really know what the future holds. But right now, my mindset is set on being done. Well, let me, let me explain something to you now, Rashad. You got two weddings to start saving up for right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they, you know. That, that's the way it's going to work here. You're, you're going to have to pay for those weddings. Yeah. 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 I don't know what else to say. I'm just fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means there's a lot of work ahead. You know, you, you have another year until you're contract eligible. And, you know, the running back market's not great. You're going to have to have a big year here to start paying for these girls and their weddings, Rashad. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. I'm not even like really kind of thinking like that. I get what you're saying. I just think <laughs> I need to have a big year just to be consistent, just to uh, put another impact on, on on the team, on the organization, and just uh, on my life and my career. So, you know, however it folds, it unfolds, it, it all get taken care of. Well, when you say a big year ahead, how do we ensure that that happens? What do we do this offseason to make sure that next year needs to be as big as it will be so that you can be paid a year from now? Uh, so the biggest thing is um, obviously the routine and, and the plan, uh, you know, anything in life that you're trying to do and you're trying to be successful, it has to be a plan in place. So um, <clears throat> the biggest thing is just getting with my whole team, my whole camp, my whole circle where I'm training all my different type of trainers. And we all is in, you know, the same understanding and in the same communication of, of what I'll be doing. And, um, you know, what I'm thinking about doing, obviously, it kind of starts with me, but obviously I picked their brain because they're very wise, been around the game for a long time. So, you know, some things I might they might be like, no, you know, you, you should chill on that because this and like that. So I'm I'm very open to listening. I'm very open and, and trust my team very well. And other than that, man, for me, just grinding, just understanding and then just watching a lot of film, uh, my tape with some of my trainers of of last year and, and just certain spots and certain things I can I can do better. And obviously, yeah, I got a new OC, too. So. Uh, and Liam, and so just getting started early and just understanding, and, and we just building a, a chemistry and, um, you know, coach the player and, and, and obviously more than that, family and things like that to just get it going, get it rolling. Rashad, is there anything you know you're doing this offseason, like you're changing your diet, you're, you're going to start training a different kind of way? Is there anything that we're looking to in particular that you think could make a difference for you in the 2024 season? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, for sure. Diet is huge. Um, that's a big thing. My biggest thing, uh, what I want to do is um, I'm going to be on a, a, the track a good amount. Um, I run on the field a lot, <clears throat> things like that, which nothing's wrong with it, obviously, because we play on grass. So I'll be on the field, too, but 
um, as in running and stuff like that, spreading. But I also be on the track a lot um, and, and just, you know, getting uh, keeping make sure I maintain my speed as well as just trying. To, of course, you always want to get faster. So that's the biggest thing I want to do is just get faster and, uh, yeah, just keep my body in the right shape, the right form. I understand the weight I want to play at, where I'm going to be at, what I did last year. So, um, yeah, just keep chopping, chopping, uh, you know, chopping at the wood. Hang you, would you reach out to your former quarterback, Mr. Brady, about ways to train in the offseason? He might have a thing or two to offer you, Rashad. <laughs> yeah, yes, he for sure do. And that's what my mentor be on. He, him and AG, they love each other because I always go. Uh, Brady still got the facility out here. So I'll be going there and still getting body work done with my guy, Ricky. Um, Ricky Braun and um, and my mentor, he loves and always ask Brady about how he shops and how he this. My mentor be on me about diet a lot, so I can't blame him, man. He, he good guy, want the best interest uh, interest for me and things like that. So yeah, that'd be what me. was it? What was it like to be a rookie to be drafted by the Buccaneers when your quarterback is Tom Brady? Um, it was different uh, for sure. I mean, obviously, it was just life changing. Uh, I say when I got the call and stuff, my family was like going crazy. Me, I was just more like, <clears throat> like grateful, understood the opportunity at hand. I mean, obviously just getting here as a rookie, uh, just trying to get the respect and uh, gain the trust of my coaches. Obviously the rookie uh, minicamp OTAs, of course, competing. And then with mandatory minicamp, uh, it was all, it was awesome because uh, just how I came in my rookie year and how it worked and, how much Brady seen I care. He already heard so much about about me. So and, and things like that, like through the other guys and things like that. So I mean, you know, he just greeted me with open arms. Um, you know, let me know that he heard the good things that, that I was doing. And, you know, uh, I got a bright future. He always told me that and things like that. And always told me just be myself, be loose. So it was great, man. It was great, honestly. Do you remember what you were like with your first meeting with him? Were you nervous at all? Were you uh, I wouldn't even say I was nervous. I was just like more like locked in and he's seen that. So um, wow. we was more like, it was just more like kind of a mutual understanding. And uh, obviously I was just like, you know, of course, appreciating greatness and things like that. So, you know, I'm just thanking him. Like it's an honor, you know, that you telling me this, um, you know, I really appreciate that. And yeah, you know, I'm here to work. I know people have Mahomes as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, but Tom Brady's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. If not, certainly one of the two or three greatest of all time. When you think back to playing with Tom Brady, is there, was there a story that you'll always remember when his name comes up, you'll think of this? Um, Honestly, no. I'll say the biggest thing that and, uh, obviously people was on it more than me. I, I'll say my biggest memory would probably be um, when I caught the game winner, but um, I guess him him and um, Coach Byron left, which I guess they was asking for me my rookie year uh, at the end of the game against the Saints on Monday night, and I will never forget this. And um, obviously we drove the ball downfield, of course, and then, um, you know, it was a little route that um, we was working all year. And, you know, I guess they was like, we're, you know, number 29 at – we're 29 at, we want Rashad in there. And then, um, you know, I ran the route and I scored the game winner, and it was just crazy just seeing their reaction and, and things like that. It was just awesome. Like, it was just – I don't know. Like, I was probably the most chillest poised. Everybody else was going crazy. And then I was just like, yeah, that's crazy. So when they show trusting you, that must help out your confidence some, I would imagine. Yes, for sure. Um, of course, anybody, uh, just, yeah, you, your coaches, your players, everybody, when they trust you, you know, yeah, it helps out any player in the world a whole lot. Yeah. Here's what I would say, Rashad. Make sure you take care of yourself this offseason, but make sure you take care of your little girl and the girl that's on the way as well. Just yeah. as important, if not more important, right? Yes, that's huge. Very you got to look out for yourself and you got to look out for those two little girls now. 
Yeah, that's huge. Appreciate that. That's love. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time today. Lots of luck this offseason. Continued success to you in 2024. And look forward to our paths crossing again. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on, Adam. So thank you to the nearly 1,000-yard rusher, the soon-to-be father again for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rashad White. We thank him for his time and wish him the best for another successful 2024 campaign. And how about this? We are coming out of the first weekend without football since really August. And it was very strange, Daniel, to oh, yeah. sit back on Sunday, not have to wake up a couple of times during the night to post injury updates, to <laughs> not have to get out of bed, you know, with a 4.35 a.m. wake-up call to drive to Bristol, to lay in bed till where I wanted to get up and then go watch what ordinarily is one of my favorite things to do on a Sunday morning. I love watching CBS Sunday morning. And the night before, sit with my family and not have to go check on injury updates as well and file things to the news desk and work on stories for Sunday. So on Saturday night, we got to sit back and watch a movie. And do you know we rented a movie that my son thought would be a good idea to watch? If you haven't seen The Beekeeper, that's a very good movie. Ooh, okay. Very good movie. It had my interest. And here's how we know it's a good movie. If we're starting a movie at, say, 9 o'clock, and I stay up for the whole Don't thing. Don't fall asleep. It's a good movie, Daniel. <laughs> it's a good movie. That's so right. The Beekeeper is something that I ordinarily would not have thought of watching. And it had me on the edge of my seat. And I didn't come close to falling asleep. Made it up through the whole movie easily. I love it. And so The Beekeeper would be something else that I would recommend. On Monday afternoon, I watched the first two episodes of the Dynasty on Apple TV with my daughter, Dylan, who was fascinated by the tuck rule and Adam Vinatieri's mm-hmm. field goal in the snow. We've seen the first two episodes. We'll look forward to the remaining episodes. And then on Monday night, we've been talking for weeks about watching the New Era's Taylor Swift concert on film, movie. And boy, we saw her in concert this past summer. She was amazing. And I will say this, watching her in that movie from SoFi Stadium. Every time I watch her, I'm blown away by her. She is she is incredible. Unbelievable entertainer. Like, just unreal. Yeah. Oh, her energy, the way she goes from one song to the next. The costume design. Watching this movie, it was like watching a Broadway show in a movie form. It was incredible to watch. And so I've actually led the life of something of a normal human being the last couple of days. And I'm like, Wow, this is what America does. You know, on Sunday, sat on my couch and watched the last round of the Genesis Open or the Genesis Invitation, whatever they call it, with Hideki Matsuyama shooting a nine under. Like, I love sitting on the couch on a Sunday watching golf and just chilling out there. That was great. Like, wow. So this is what it's like to be a normal person on a Sunday without any football. Now, it won't be long before we are craving those Sundays, in fact. I wish we would have had some football on Sunday again. I agree with you. But we don't. But we don't. We got about five, six months to wait until we get busy again. And so we're going to continue to try to make the most of some of these Sundays and do some of these fun activities. But in the interim, nonetheless, it was fun to have a free Sunday. There'll be another free Sunday this week. And then we have the Combine, which will compromise my Sunday that week. And then we're into free agency. So no more real free Sundays. This will be the last one for a few more weeks. And then we have the owner's meetings one Sunday. And then we have the draft one Sunday. So I don't have quite as many free Sundays 
as I thought I would have, as I sit that sit back and really think about it. But for the time being, we will enjoy each one that does come along. All right, we want to thank the Buccaneers running back, Rashad White, for his time today. I want to thank my six-pack partner, Daniel Dopp. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, and you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us in this spot next week. We'll be back with more guests, more information, more interviews, insights, as we continue to roll on with the NFL offseason as we get ready for the combine in Indianapolis and free agency that's ahead. Until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.